What's up, people? I'm your host, Jay Will. Welcome to Inspire Guys People, the podcast where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. This is episode 195, Kingdom Business, Christian Entrepreneur. I have the privilege to be joined uh, today by a guest all the way from Australia, uh, Wes Home. He is, man, an amazing and impressive uh, kingdom businessman, entrepreneur. Uh, we're going to learn all about him. He has, he wears many hats. He's written two books. He has this amazing conference called the Kingdom Business Summit actually coming up this March. Um, and he also um, is a, uh, a coach, a trainer, a speaker. I follow him. He's the host of the Kingdom Business Podcast. So we're going to talk about all of those things. And today is all about really picking Wes's brain and mind uh, from his experience in kingdom business about, you know, the importance of kingdom business. How do we operate as Christian entrepreneurs? Really want to know where he sees Christian entrepreneurship uh, going in the future. And as always, y'all know the goal today is to find yourself in the story. That's what I'm going to be doing. Wes has a lot of experience. He's bought and sold um, over eight businesses since the age of 18. And one of the things I love about what I found from him is he does a really good job in balancing the faith in the business, but leading with the faith, right? And a lot of times I'm going to speak for myself, you know, when you're starting in Christian entrepreneurship and maybe you don't come from a successful background, a lot of times no, no one really teaches you how to be a successful Christian. We teach you how to be successful, right? You hear about the money, the cars, and all the flashy stuff. What I love about Wes is that, like, low-key, he got a word. I don't know. We're going to find out, like, is he a preacher or something? I don't really know. He's, like, such a professional businessman from all the content I've seen. I didn't see preacher um, necessarily in his bio, but I can tell you something. I watched the video, and he was definitely preaching about the transfer of wealth back in 2020. So if you are a Christian entrepreneur or business professional looking for ways to better yourself and grow closer to God and be guided to your purpose, you're going to find yourself in the story today as we talk to Wes Home, all the way from Australia. This is our second international interview, I think, in four years. Uh, we had a Canadian, now we have an Australian. You know, like, let's keep it going, baby. Wherever you at, let's, you know, if you're kingdom-minded, um, you are welcome to inspire God's people. We're gonna, maybe we'll learn some things about Australia as well. But y'all know the deal. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. Stop saying what you gonna do till you do what you said. When you opened that Bible, you knew what you read. You felt it deep in your soul. The promise did not expire. Be inspired. I can see beyond the tears you cry and the pain you feel. I saw every hill you had to climb just to make it here. When you say you ain't afraid to die, is it fake or fear? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 195 of Inspire Guys People, the podcast. I'm here with Wes Home, all the way from Australia. How you doing today, Wes? Yeah, good, mate. It's so good to be with you. You know, and hopefully, Wes, I'm not, am I like stretching out the G, Z, I apologize. Is it like, am I going too hard on the Z with Wes? Is that fine? Um, hey, you know, I want to be respectful of how to pronounce it. This is your show, man. You can do whatever you like. We we lead with respect on Inspire Guys people. But um, Wes, I'm excited. Um, as I kind of said in the intro, hopefully I did, um, did it justice. Uh, you wear a lot of hats. And, you know, for me, when I was looking at your content online, I'm like, man, I got to talk to this guy and see what I can learn and see how we can find ourselves in your story. Uh, but before we jump into all of that, Wes, we love on this show to kind of start off with learning who someone was before we jump into who you are and what you do now. 
So can you maybe kick it off with telling us a little bit about life growing up in Australia? Who was the young Wes um, and how did you, you know, what experiences do you want to share about that um, that help you become who you are today? Super open ended question. I like to leave people the ability to kind of share what they want from their childhood, you know. Uh, no pressure. So what you got for us, I'm sure it's going to be interesting because, you know, we have the cultural diversity at least. Um, so I'm looking forward to learning something. Cool. Well, I sound Aussie, but I actually spent the first 14 years in London, in England. So, wow. uh, so I was born in the UK um, and, uh, you know, typical, typical, I guess, you know, keeping up with the Joneses type family, you know, uh, looked like we had it all together, but maybe not so much behind the scenes. And uh, uh, I come from separated parents, uh, which is sad at the time, but it's worked out fine today. Uh, we're all in relationship. It's, it's, it's good today. Um, and then, yeah, at 14, my, uh, my family said we're moving to Australia, which, uh, which is a huge blessing. I don't know if you've ever seen any photos of Australia, but when you come from England, uh, it, it's not a particularly hard decision to, to go to Australia. So, um, but, you know, that presents itself with some challenges. You know, you don't, you don't know anybody. You've kind of got to, you know, make it on your own. Your parents are out, you know, trying to make a life for themselves. So they're, you know, they're busy. And so you, you're kind of in this foreign environment. And um, I don't know that I loved it at the time, but God makes everything, you know, useful and, and beneficial in your future. And so there was a lot of fruit that came from, from that period of time in my life today. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess, you know, I, I guess I just studied people from a very young age. I was never particularly academic. Uh, I didn't enjoy school. Um, you know, if I just dreamed about being a business person from the earliest ages and, and that's cool now, right. To want to be an entrepreneur. But when right. I would, I mean, we didn't use that word when I was young, we just used the word businessman or business person. Right. But um, it wasn't necessarily cool back then to want to be a business person. You know, when I was going through school, it was just for me. Okay, so he, here's how it happened. My father was very good at cricket. And so I would often go to his cricket matches. And at the end of the game, when everybody's kind of hanging out, I would see and almost do a stock take of the different men in that room. And, and, and the businessmen, you know, they had the better cars and then what seemed like the better, they carried themselves in a different way and they had different kind of conversations. And I remember thinking, that's just, that, this is better for me. Like that's more who I am. And so my earliest memories were, you know, writing fake checks, playing banker at the age of five, always like washing cars out, making money from the you know, earliest ages. And then I guess the first unofficial business was, um, selling juggling balls so juggling was a craze when I was uh first year of high school and I saw all these people buying expensive juggling balls and I was like I can I can make some money here and so I would I, I would I would literally commandeer my mum's sewing machine and I would use my shorts and some chickpeas and I would make up these juggling balls and sell them and um and I, I had a I had a great business there at high school but uh I remember one day uh, in the playground, the, the principal of the school tapped me on the shoulder and he said, if you don't stop, you're going to get expelled. And uh, and that's that's when I immediately knew that I was called to business and I wasn't going to fit this, you know, scholastic system of just taking tests and nodding yes to the man. And so all of that happened pre-Christian. So I, I started uh, I, I started a bunch of businesses from the age of 18, built them, sold them, but it wasn't until I was 24 that I came to Christ. And so like that'll mess with you, right? Because 
like if I was to be honest with you and your listeners, I thought that pre-Christian, I thought that everything revolved around my business. And I literally thought that if I wanted a bigger house, I'd build a bigger business. And if I wanted a bigger boat, I'd build a bigger business. And if I wanted a better car, I'd build a bigger business. And I thought everything was about me and my business. And then on the 23rd of September, 2004, my world fell apart because I became a radical Christian, which was amazing. Um, but I, And so I immediately start pouring through the Bible, you know, and I would, I started with uh, one Old Testament and one New Testament scripture because I couldn't, I didn't want to wait to get to the New Testament. I wanted to know, but I wanted to read the old and not neglect it. So I kind of ran, read through in parallel and, um, and, you know, and I got to, you know, I got to Leviticus and that's where the, the Lord really laid out. How do we trade? How should we trade? How do we handle our affairs as business people? You know, and if you, if you haven't been through Leviticus, you really can't understand God's way of trading. Um, you know, like, like the Jubilee cycle, like the, the you know, like the, the, the principle of gleaning and, and leaving money for other people. And, you know, when you read about Cain and Abel and how they handled their offering and why they were, you know, they, you know, you get a lot of understanding. And so I started to realize that my business was nothing to do with me. And if I've laid down my life, then, then I've laid down my business life too. Um, you can't lay down your life, but, but have a, you know, but, but, but be self-interest in business. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And so, it became a mission for me to want to know, okay, what does God say about business and how to handle it? And and what role does business play in advancing the kingdom? And, you know, from that day right to today, we've been trying to learn and seek revelation and, 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 and I guess practice what we study in the scripture, like try and be practitioners of what the scripture says. And by doing that, there's obviously been a bunch of highs and a bunch of lows, but ultimately God's been very, 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 very good to us over these years. Um, which now means we can be good to others. So that's a, that's a bit of a story. I love it. Um, you said a couple of cool things I want to unpack. I think it's really unique, peculiar. I don't know that I've ever heard someone say that the book of Leviticus was the one that like got them more interested. Uh, so I think that's unique to the fact that you already had that business experience. So those things were standing out. Because a lot of times the Old Testament is really hard uh, for people when they start, when they first start reading the Bible, but similar to you, like, I mean, I grew up as a Christian, but you know, we all go through those ups and downs in live life. When I started becoming serious as an adult and reading the word, it really was first. It was actually the story of Joseph for me as one of them that, um, to this day for me is a, um, a bedrock of how I envision and view business. And I feel like is one of the greatest business plans and most practical business plans um, ever um, yeah. that, that God gave uh, Joseph in his dream. So I, I love the fact that, that you, you know, Leviticus stuck out to you in that way. I'm almost curious what you think about, do you think it was easier for you to grasp these business principles starting off as a business person and then becoming a believer versus, I don't know if maybe your experiences and, and all of your, um, you know, business and, and your you know individuals you're coming across like what you see with people who start the other way around like they start in church and it mm. seems that it's probably in my opinion maybe a little harder what do you think about that to grasp those I, I think I think none of that matters whether you whether you were a Christian before or Christian after I think it all comes down to hunger okay if you I love that you'll figure it out if you you know and and, and so so if you follow that thread 
if you're not searching for it, then you're clearly not hungry. Um, and, you know, for me, I realized that I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ the day I die and I'm going to give an account for my gifts and talents and I better work out how to maximize them. And so that hunger has driven me to not want to neglect, you know, like a minute of this journey. Um, yeah, so so for me, I think, you know, I, I know people that went the other way, but, but something happened in their life. They got full on hungry for the things of the kingdom, you know, and they arrive at the same point. So, yeah, for I'm me, a- it's all. It's all around desire. I could I could respect that. And I and I definitely see where you're coming from because it's like, you know, I always tell people like, you know, you can grow up in a particular household. Like, you know, me, I grew up in D- Detroit. I don't know how familiar you are with, you know, the major cities in the States. I don't want to assume you are, but I grew up in a typical inner city in Detroit. And it's always interesting to me what that experience does to people. Like for me, it made me, like you said, more hungry. Like I'm sitting here today having a conversation with you because coming from that bubble, I was always curious what was outside of the bubble, yeah. right? And I know so many people that stay in the bubble and it, you know, like coming from that bubble makes them stay there. So it's not necessarily the experience itself. But I, I guess in my experience, it has been maybe more difficult to explain the importance in the proper context of business as a Christian to people who start in church, because sometimes at least again, this may be like just where I'm from. People tend to be a lot more religious and not necessarily have like the practical understanding of the application of the Bible. So they view everything in this religious way that will almost make money and business wrong. Like it's almost that mentality of like, Oh, rich people are evil and and like all of that. So, why would I ever want to become rich if rich people are evil? So, but definitely understand what you're saying about hunger. Um, with that said, like, I'm also curious, you, you do so much work now, right? Like, you know, you kind of said you started with the, with the juggling business um, and, and things like that. At what point within those eight companies that you, you know, you built and you sold, uh, at what point were any of those sold as a Christian? I'm just curious, like, as you made that transition with that experience, at what point did, did your faith become a part of your business and how did you start integrating it? Um, yeah, I think it was company five that I sold, but that time I was a believer and I was actually in business with another believer and that one, that was a partnership deal. Um, we took a, we took a systems company into five countries around the world and I sold my share to him um, only because we wanted a different thing out of the business. Um, we, you know, we wanted a different direction and you know, that was, I was so young then that it, like I, I only really cared about one thing and that was the knowledge. So I had, you know, I had collected a whole bunch of knowledge along the way in this particular business and then I was getting a check as well. So it was an easy decision for me to move on to something else. Um, these days I start things that I want to have as cash cows for much, much longer, um, you know, because it's not so much chasing knowledge. It's more, you know, like influence and legacy and things like that. Um but, uh, you know, how do I integrate my faith? I mean, like, I mean, I, I didn't get it right from day one of being a believer. You know, right. it's, it, it's um, it, like, like it was hard work. Um, you know, the, the marketplace, I feel like if you're not a believer, then, then you've got a few forces against you, right? There's the marketplace wants to make you go to zero, right? Everybody wants to compete with you and get you to be broke, right? So you've got the marketplace against you. And then you've got yourself against you, right? There's our own stupidity that can hang us up from time to time. For sure. But then as a believer, you've also got a target on your back. So you've got an enemy that want to make you, wants to make you ineffective, right? And, and my experience for, for kingdom entrepreneurs is 
the enemy doesn't usually contend for their salvation, right? Because once, you know, if somebody's made a decision, I'm going to be a child of God, that's awesome. What the enemy tends to do is try and make you a redundant Christian or an ineffective one, right? And so then you don't actually advance the kingdom. Well, you do advance a kingdom, but it's the kingdom of self. <laughs> right, right. right. The kingdom of God. And so, so, you know, and so we know the spirit of mammon would be the biggest uh, enemy that we have to contest as kingdom entrepreneurs, Right. So, that you know, the, the devil wants us to get caught up in cars and houses and watches and bling and Facebook and Instagram and and, and and get us all puffed up with pride that we think we're amazing, because the minute we do that, then we're not effective ministers of the gospel. So. So, yeah, it's for, as I, I'm just still learning, OK, how do you how do you put those boundaries around yourself so that well, you can spot the enemy and, and stand the enemy down right before it becomes, you know, an entrapment and. And, uh, you know, I've had to learn that the, the really hard way um, through all of those years. I've made a ton of mistakes, uh, but I've also got a few things right. And, uh, and along that journey, you know, it's a continual wrestle and it doesn't go away. Like, like you know, the enemy's tactics, are um, they're not new, but they do get bigger and scarier as your profile gets bigger and scarier and your influence gets bigger and scarier. So. But you also kind of get better at spotting it. So it, you know, it does, it does. I mean, you take you, you mentioned Joseph, right? Like, like that's a pretty horrific story right up until the end, right? Yeah. You know, and 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 talk about the love of God. God knew there was a famine that was going to kill everybody. So, you know, 30 years before he started planning for it so that humanity didn't have to suffer through a famine, right? But if you look at the story of Joseph and everything he had to go through geographically. Every one of those issues took him closer geographically to where he needed to be to do his assignment. Hmm. And so in my life, I've got I've got a, a whole bunch of mistakes. Some of them are my doing and some of them are not. But every single one of those have played an effective part in me being the best that I can be today. And nothing's wasted. Direction is more important than speed. That's something I always try to remind myself of because, like you said, with Joseph, like, I mean, he got that first dream at about 17. He's in his mid thirties before, you know, the dream comes to, to, into fruition. And when you think of it that way, like being a believer re requires us to consistently keep the faith in the Lord through all of those ups and downs. And I think one of the key aspects of Joseph is that he was able to sustain his righteousness. So it was like through those ups and downs, he didn't lose himself and I don't know how you feel, Wes, you mentioned like social media and all of these things. And I guess I'm curious, like, how do you balance like those new things? Right. Because like so like I'll speak for myself. Right. I'm old enough to where I remember when Facebook came out. I remember when Instagram started and these tools have evolved. They weren't always what they were today. People didn't use them that same way. And one of the challenges for me has always been I've had to try to be proactively strategic and aware of how I'm utilizing them. It's like, I want to utilize these tools not to do things for attention, not to be like just doing weird random stuff so that people can like me. At the same time, you want to grow something, but you want it to be authentic and genuine. Like what has it been like for you incorporating these new tools, TikTok, Instagram, as they come along, but also keeping that humility. Um, and I'm, that's what I get from your message, to be honest. Like I've I've watched a lot of your videos and I get this sense of like true success is not about throwing it in people's face. So I'm just curious how, how you think through that. I absolutely love these tools. Um, I also remember, I mean, I remember pre-internet, 
right? So, so you know, like I, I still remember going into a chat room when I was like, you know, like like fifteen years old, and yeah. and waiting ten minutes for a reply from somebody, you know. And we thought it was probably a hot girl, but it was probably a hairy Russian or something. I don't That's know exactly what it was. Um, and uh, you know, so I love these tools because the Great Commission doesn't change. I, I, you know, people tell me all the time, ah, oh, you know, like these devices. I'm like, I'm like, I put out 178 pieces of content a week talking about Jesus to the marketplace. Like, like you, you can dislike that all you like, but I, without these tools, I wouldn't have that platform. I would be writing a column in a paper or something, right? Yeah. So, um, so I'm a massive fan. Now, did it? Was it too much at the start? Yeah, because it was a new toy, and I and I went, you know, probably too hard, and probably spent too much time scrolling, you know. But one of the things that's really cool for me is I'm talking about Christianity and business and money. I had people tearing me apart every day for 10 years. You soon learn that none of it matters. Right? Like yeah. I still get heat online. It's like, oh, he thinks that, you know, money. And I'm like, you know, like if you haven't watched anything. Like, I don't, like, like I, I, money is not more important than salvation. Like, you know, right. so. But, but they watch a sound bite and, and think they know what you mean. And so I think, you know, I, I kind of got boundaries around it early. The other thing I did was I wanted to test. I wanted to test the opposite spirit of what was typically online, right? So, you know, I see a lot of people, uh, a lot of people in the States who are Christian in business and their whole thing is, look at how God's blessed me. Look at my new watch. Look at my wife's new car. Look at my new car. Look at my house. I've got a new thing. I, the best of everything. And they use it as a message. Now, that attracts a really big audience, but you'll never get the anointing. You'll, you'll, never, you'll never get supernatural. You know, it's a, it's, it tickles people's ears. It builds a massive following, but it doesn't change culture. And so I just decided, well, what if I never talked myself up? What, what if what if nobody knew what car I drove and what if nobody knew where I lived or what if because it's not about whether you have it or not you can have a nice house the Lord wants you to be blessed and I've worked incredibly hard right but what if I didn't use that which means now that it must be something else that creates the increase right you know what if what if something else opened doors for me the Lord or you know the, the pe people could resonate with the with the Holy Ghost and and so that's all I've tried to do. And, and so today we're 178 pieces of content a week out on social media. I mean, I don't do all of that. I do one hour video and then the team chop it and send it. Um, but but none of it is about me. And, and you'll see very little from me talking about much about me, to be totally yeah. honest. You know, um, it, you know, it's interesting. It's only now I've had three media companies come to me in the last 60 days saying we want to start storytelling what's going on behind the scenes what we want to know who Wes is what you know and, I, and I'm like I don't know I don't know I don't know that I'm ready I don't know that I'm ready to to unveil it yet because the minute it becomes about me it's not about the Lord and if it's if it's about me and not about the Lord I don't know what that means for me and so I'm not I'm not that keen so I love it I'm just kind of keeping those boundaries you know like um you know I want I want to have an impact and an influence and and, and I think those things could very well be traps. That's that spotting the enemy coming up and trying to get you full of pride and stuff like that, that immediately discounts your anointing. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a trip to the zoo, right? Like the lions and tigers are beautiful as long as they're behind the gate. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like these things are beautiful. Like you said, these tools allow us to share. And, and I'll be honest, you know, for me, it, it's funny 
you know, we're we think along the same lines. Um, you know, I never like I never post personal stuff. And it is like people in my family. And this is what I mean. This is an example of what I mean about like how social media evolved. Something as simple like there was a point in time where I can go to a family event and just be there. But now if I go to a family event, there's 25 phones around and I'm kind of the kind of I'm I'm the type of person that's kind of like I really don't want like you taking a picture of me while I eat a sandwich or like every step of the way or like if I take a trip like so I try to guard it that same way. And I think it's about balance. You know, at the end of the day, we have to be mindful of that. And, and you said something that makes me want to ask you this question about Christian entrepreneurship. And when I ask this question, I'm specifically referencing authentic Christian business people and entrepreneurs. Like, what do you think the importance of that is? Because you talked about the other side, right? There are those believers out there that, you know, for better or worse, it's like, look at what I got. And, and that attracts people. But what do you think the importance of the substance um, of an authentic Christian entrepreneur is? That's a great question. I think you I think to answer it, though, you've got to come back to the very beginning of time. Right. So, so go to Genesis. And I know that sounds trite, but what has God wanted from the very beginning? What has he wanted? He's wanted the same thing then as he wants today. And that is he wants man to choose him and to live his ways on earth. That's all he's wanted. Right. And and then all the way from Adam and Eve, he has been trying to, you know, get us to want to choose that. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Cain and Abel is a classic example of what God has been up against since Adam and Eve. It comes time for an offering. One brings tatty veggies. One brings the best portions of the best animal to an offering. And God says to the one that brings an inferior offering, he says, sin's crouching at your door. You need to learn to rule over it. And it wants to devour you. And, and, the, and basically what he's talking about there is self-interest. He withheld from God because he cared about himself more than he did about God. And so that's the thing that God's been up against from Adam and Eve to the 8 billion people on the world today. Same thing. Now, his trump card was Jesus. Like it's, it's beautiful when you play out that story. So then it comes to 2023 on a podcast with you answering the question of, you know, what, what is kingdom business and what role does it play? It's the same answer. He wants me to choose him and to live out on earth, his way of doing business here on earth, which now means that there's no room to conform to the patterns of this world. I've got to do it his way, regardless of whether I get more or less, whether I'm famous or not, you know, whether I'm blessed or not, whether none of that can really matter. The only thing that really is, is my is I've got to lay it all down. Right. So now my business has to be, and we'll use the word sanctified. It's a horribly religious word, but it basically just means laid down and available for the kingdom. And, 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 and it's not my interest anymore. It's the interest of God, right? So, I, you know, my business has one goal, and that has got to be primarily to advance the kingdom of God. Now, if God wishes and it ends up being a blessing that can provide for me, which it probably will because the character of God is such, but it can't be give to get and it, and it can't be what I get out of it. Whereas, you know, and, and I think that's the problem with a lot of the modern tithing messages. It's like burn 90% on yourself as long as you're keeping God happy with your 10. No, 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 no. 
mechanically, you will want to give to God if you first understand that I've laid it all down, right? So, so I think, you know, to answer your question, it's the role is my business needs to do a few things. It needs to love on people. Those people are my, my team, my staff, my, my, my stakeholders, if there are partners, my, my customers, my suppliers. Like I need to give them an expression of the kingdom of God in my business every day. Right. That's that's primarily what it's for. Now, when it makes a profit, I've got to start thinking, Okay, primarily this is to advance the kingdom of God. So what assignment has God got for me to fund? What project? What strategic ministry? I've got to be thinking like that before I ever think, should I be upgrading my car? You know, should I be upgrading my house? Do I need that third watch? You know, and then obviously if you follow that, if, if you're buying a watch so that you can put it on Instagram, you've already lost. Right, in yeah. my opinion, so agreed. So, so I, I, I'm. I mean, I know that's kind of heavy, but, but, but it's got to start with laying it all down, and then let God build it up. You get left, by the way, with no bragging rights and no pride when you decide to lay it down, and it hurts because the flesh is weak. When you decide to lay it down, and the Lord prospers you over time, you never get like I'm amazing because you know you didn't do it. Yeah, it's all about like keeping him first and being mindful of the fact that I am nothing without him. Like even the gifts that I have or if I did something that was kind of sweet, it was like, well, it wasn't just in my own merit. Like God blessed me with this opportunity. It's really like a mindset of gratefulness. Yeah. And, you know, I watched the video that you put out in 2020. So the thing about me, Wes, is like I'm always intrigued by what people said in the past, mostly because I think in today's society, it is very easy to be trendy. And so like, whenever I have someone on the show, I'll, I'll kind of look for something like, what was this person saying in the worst climate, you know, one of the worst of my lifetime uh, during the pandemic, I'm, I'm like very curious to see. And I always encourage people like who listen to this show, like go check out my shows from 2020. If you really want to know what I'm about, because you know, that was the heat of the moment. And you you had this video about the transfer of wealth. And what was interesting to me is that you spent a lot of time talking about, you know, the true reward of wealth. And you kind of alluded to it in your previous answer. But I would love to kind of like even hear a little more about the dynamic of people go into wealth thinking it's all about me. Right. But what is the reward? So so like if if you're telling me like Jermaine, you know, it needs to be about what you can give and how you can help others. And then I'm going to say like, why? Like, why should I do that? What's the reward for that? Because I can see the tangible reward in the Rolex, the third Rolex watch. Right. And I don't it's like, what if I'm not convinced that there is an actual reward? I only see what I lost. But what do I gain when I focus on that righteousness um, as a in giving as it relates to what uh, wealth? Well, well, what if you gain nothing? Love it. That's enough of a reason. Like, see, and I think that it comes back to true salvation. Like, I've already had everything. I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. Why? Now, if I get a nice watch, cream on top. But if I was to spend my entire life giving everything away. Am I going to care after four and a half seconds in glory? No. So 
you know, now I don't give it all away, right? You know, I've got three young daughters. They're going to get married one day. Like that's going to be expensive. You know, like I, I've, I, I like some nice things. I spend money on suits and I like nice things, but it's not at the expense of doing my assignment and funding my assignment. That is first. And I learned that the hard way because if it's not first, uh, then the only other thing that can be first is my interest. And that's, you, you, that is, you'll basically just take your anointing and cut it in half if that's the case. Um, so, so what's in it for us? Listen, isn't it more blessed to give than to receive? Like what's in it for us is being part of the advancing of the kingdom of God on earth in our lifetime. What, what, like there is no greater adventure that you could ever be part of. Yeah. Now, if you end up with nice things, I have a nice truck, right? You know, what you would call a truck. Um, and, you know, and I ordered it and I waited nine months for it in COVID and I got it. And, you know, I'm like, it's still just a truck. It's nice, you know, and uh, and it's not extreme. It's just a truck. And, 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 and to me, that's a blessing from God, right? You know, he brought the business in. He brought the increase. Sure, I work really hard and I put the risk and the capital up to do things, but you know, I guess I'm concerned with the thought of like, what, you know, well, if I don't give, then what do I lose out on? And, you know, what, you know, I need, like without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we need to know it all before we make a decision, how much faith is that? So, you know, here's what I would say to somebody who like, who might struggle with that decision. It's like, cool, you've done it your way for a while. Now do it this way. Give it 24 months and just see which one you would trade for at the end. I love that. Give it 24 months and then let's see like, hey, which one has value in them? And we know which one it is um, because you talked about it, right? And it it is the the reward is different. Like, and I think what happens is we give more value to things that are, that don't have value. I'll give an example. Like, you know, I'll, I'll often try to remind myself that I'm wealthy because I have my parents. Like my parents are all still in my life. And I'm like, that is a level of wealth that is actually unexplainable, right? Because when you see other people lose people close to them and you know that inevitably we will all go, right? Which is why we need to be saved in the first place every single day with everyone is just an amazing blessing and then like you said it's doing working god's plan that he's called for your life is more valuable um i'm again this example you talked about the truck it's funny like my last guest we talked about this a little bit and i told her about like you know coming from where i come from when i was younger it was all about things it was like you think i want to get out of here so that i can get these things and like you i mean i like nice things right but i like them within discipline and this is one of the one of the things that I think people struggle with Wes, is that when people like something like this truck, they think I like it so I should get it. And they don't know how to necessarily properly think through, well, when is the right time to get the truck? Does it make sense to get the truck? Can I really truly afford the truck? Am I buying a truck in exchange for my kids college education or their first car? So I think those that multi-layered understanding and that relationship with God tends to put things in its place. And I told someone the other day, like, crazy thing when I got when I got a nice car, it was like, oh, I can't bring it in a house. 
me and my wife still had the same little silly arguments that we had when we had the car that flooded when it rained. And so, like you said, you like you end up putting these things in perspective. So I love that, um, you know, you're all about just that perspective and that vantage point of seeing the grateful side of it, of salvation really being a reward and not things. And I'm sure that's why God, God trusts those type of people. When you look through the Bible, like he tends to trust the righteous, um, the Abrahams, the Josiahs of the world. And um, so, so that's amazing. You talked about um, like hearing you talk about the juggling business when you were younger and how you didn't like school. I, you know, I, I somewhat relate to that. I was a class clown. And um, one of the things that's always interesting in that is I, I'm always curious do you think that you were a natural leader or were you nurtured into becoming a leader? Nurtured. I was an angry young bloke, right? Like um, I, I'm well aware of the shortcomings that I have and have now and definitely had when I was younger. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a testimony, right, to the goodness of God because it, it, the Bible says it's his job to take us from glory to glory. And I'm a much more improved version of the person that came to Christ. Um, and hopefully nowhere near as as good as the person in the next 10 years, right? Um, yeah, I'm I, not a born natural leader. You know, I think, you know, through some of those events with, you know, split parents and, and you know, that's not just a one-day event. That's, you know, years of, of, of witnessing, arguing and, and things like that. And I, I think I became quite insecure, like why – what, what role did I play in my parents being up and, and those kind of questions that you have, um, and, you know, that made me pretty bitter. And, um, you know, I mean, I was a drinker from a very young age um, only because, you know, there probably wasn't that oversight in my life to stop me. Um, and, uh, and, in, and in Britain, drinking culture is pretty strong. So like I, I'm talking like 13, 14, you know, you know, starting the drinking thing and that, then that just got out of hand. And so you can never make smart decisions though, if you're drinking a lot at 14, 15, 16 years old. Right? That's rough. <laughs> but I guess, you know, all of that to say that that's the redemptive power of the Holy ghost and God, like, you know, the, what I was, I was pretty angry and, 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 and I could cut somebody apart with my words, like no one's business. I was street smart if I wasn't academic. Um, you know, I could make somebody feel fantastic or manipulate them to feel terrible if I wanted to. Um, none of those are great traits, by the way. They, they, they kind of work, you know, in the yeah. world, but, they, but they're, they're not great in the kingdom of God. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 had to, I had to kind of, you know, check a lot of that stuff at the door and humble myself to be able to, to lay that stuff down. Um, I would say that leadership is a learned skill. I really do think that. I don't, you know, I, I don't think the gift of the gab helps. I know people that are not particularly articulate and they're wonderful leaders. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I know people who are very articulate and they're great leaders, but they weren't always a great leader. Um, you know, I, I think it's shaped by life events, but I also think it's about whether you're self-aware enough to take the lessons. You know, that, that's that's not that easy. It's very easy to just blame and you, you know, ex excuse yourself and, and blame other people for all the problems in your life. Uh, but if you can stop and take the lessons, you know, I'll give an example of what I mean. So coming to Australia, 14 years old, my brother was 16. He races off to get his new life started. My parents race off, pretty lonely, brand new school. And on a low, Australia was a colony of England, right? You know, um, it, you know, it, it, it was very different culturally. You know, if you trace it back, England sent all their fun people to Australia, right? It was all the criminals. So, wow. so it was a very different world. Um, and, um, 
and, and incredibly lonely and you have to kind of fight to, you know, kind of find your place. So now that's not that great, but fast forward, you know, 15 years and I'm going into business owners telling them how to run a business. And I feel very, very comfortable to be on my own, to stand on my own two feet, to be able to talk to strangers, to be able to hold line with, you know, because I kind of was forced to do that through that environment. And so later on, it becomes a really valuable tool, right? So if you can do all of those things and, and, and pick up the mistakes, then you can learn leadership. It's, it's, you're, you're not born a leader. You're born with a, you know, with a DNA from God, natural gifting, natural skills, but you can learn whatever you want in terms of leadership. And, and I was a horrible leader very early on, but I was also aware of it. So I was able to kind of chop and change and, and, and I tell you, I tell you when I started to become a better leader, and this will be, it's a bit cliche, but it was when I really started to fall in love with people, all people. When, when, when the Lord started to really do a work in me and get me to just love people no matter where they're at, leadership became a whole lot easier because it was completely authentic and not strategy-based. So there's an empathy. You know, you talked about a couple of things, which is awareness, right? So, you know, it's important if you're a leader to be aware of your shortcomings, we all have them. We all have blind spots and things we have to constantly think about. Then you talked about accountability, which is very tough a lot of times, but you know, empathy, that that's something that's like that I've been focusing on in the past few months. Um, it's being more empathetic. And I was listening to an audio book um, about leadership and it was breaking down how empathy is the ability to put yourself in someone else's position and like as simple and cliche as that is like for whatever reason in that moment I was listening to it and I'm like man like whenever you're whenever I'm going through something like I want the best treatment if I messed up I don't want you to like drag me through the mud like you know whatever it may be I always want grace I always want mercy right and I'm starting to learn how to see other people that way. And when I when I see a situation versus pointing a finger, put myself in their position um, because I'm convinced that that is a strong trait in leadership. So I'm, I'm actually is interesting. You said that I was listening to that book recently. Um, you know, Wes, you you've written a couple of books. Um, you have your conference. I would love to start talking about some of the things that you've done maybe let's start with the two books that you've written can you talk about them and maybe tell us what to expect and i actually i had mine in a cart last night and fell asleep so i'm actually going to be ordering one um but can you talk about your books and, and what made you write them and, and and you know what we can expect from them yeah two books supernatural business and supernatural thinking um and uh and supernatural leadership will be out this year that's pretty much mostly written um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just more of what we're talking about here, right? You know, supernatural business is kingdom first and, you know, and, and, and how to lay that down. It's also quite a practical book. I talk around marketing, you know, one of the, one of the areas of business that most people suck at is marketing. You know, very few people are using the tools of the day to build a brand and drive leads, which makes it's hard to scale a business, right? If you haven't got, you know, any leads coming in. And so, yeah. Some of the business is just really practical. Some of the books practical like that. And some of it's, you know, mindset, you know, supernatural thinking is about how do you walk in your godly identity? Because a, a lot of people don't, um, you know, and, and also how do you last the distance, you know, across the faith, people are usually very good at the start of something. It's all exciting. I'm journaling, I'm whiteboarding, I'm pumped. I'm telling everybody about it. And then as soon as the grind kicks in and the troubles hit, they, they quit. And, 
you, you know, we only get paid in life according to what we finish, not what we start. And so, you know, it's about sticking to it and 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 get, getting through that period of time. And so, yeah, it's it, you know, they're just really practical. You know, I mean, you know, one of our largest businesses is a co- is a business coaching practice, and so everything we do has to be that really applicable kind of training. And so the books are just like that. They're written in, you know, just chatty language. Uh, you know, they were written by me. I didn't didn't like I said didn't go to school, so they're easy to read and and. Uh, and yeah, they've been they've been they've been a, a real blessing to to me, but also to the people that read them. Now you you talked about um, marketing, and I don't know. I, I'm trying to connect the dot because you definitely seem like a marketing guru. Um, but you said you hated school, so I'm like, well, did you did you ever go back? Did you did you have formal uh, education, higher ed, or did you just forego it and kind of learn everything on yourself? Because looking at the content that you're putting out and not just the content, meaning like the digital stuff. I look at the quality like of what's being shared and what the experience seems to be. I'm like, wow, this is a person that knows how to capture the story and share it. So no, no, I never had the disadvantage of university or, 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 or college or we call it TAFE. Um, I, uh, I just absolutely love business. So I'll do whatever it takes to learn it. Right. You know, in a digital setting, um, you know, I was never going to go to university to learn digital marketing. It's like they don't know how to do digital marketing. Why would I go and learn digital marketing from people that don't know how to use digital marketing, right? So right. what I did was I just basically said, I'm going to roll all my own money into my campaigns and learn how to do it myself. And so in sort of 2014, 2015, um, I just ran 150 campaigns on social media and started to join the dots, what works, what doesn't. And then from there, basically stay on top of all the latest changes um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and learn how to do it. And today, though, like I'd started an agency, you know, 18 months ago, we've scaled up. I mean, you can't see it, but behind this monitor, I can look out. I've got this big team of people who are running LinkedIn ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, web dev, SEO, you know, um, and, uh, and, and because to me, it's like you can have an inferior product in business and be the best marketer and you'll win. You know, I think McDonald's showed us that, right? So, um, and so you can have the best product in the world and not market it, and you're, you know, you, you're, you're on struggle street. So, you know, for me, it's just the thing, and you know, and um, and the ability to tell stories just comes through practice. You know, I I really enjoy. Um, I tell you what, I'm in love with. I'm in love with. Those like people getting a breakthrough, like realizing themselves, ha ha ha. For some, like I can do that, or I can do this, or I should stop that. Like that moment. That's why we run conferences and things. That's the thing I'm in love with, and so that drive, that hunger, made me kind of go, okay, I need to, I need to work on some sort of delivery styles, and and I break all the rules of good public speaking, but I think my heart is just right to want to, you know, I really want to share things that try and capture people's heart and get a breakthrough, and that seems to resonate. I think that's what makes you who you are, even going back to being young. And like you said, like selling, selling things in school and the teacher telling you like, hey, if you don't stop this, you're going to get in trouble. There's it's a rebel with the cause. Right. Like this positive version of coloring outside of the lines. And I think there's a lot of value in that because sometimes society can can limit you. I, I'll give you an, an, a really honest example. I got to be careful how I how I craft this um, <laughs> speaking publicly. But. You know, I work for a Fortune 50 organization and 
you know, one of the things that's interesting to me in my corporate life through the years, I've been I've been there 16 years and kind of uh, worked my way up. I've had eight roles. I'm on my eighth role um, in 16 years and I, I work a headquarter uh, job. And one of the things that's interesting is that the folks that I work with. Sometimes they find me, they find me through the years, like certain people will find me, but most people like, you know, I have no idea, inspire guys, people or whatever. And one of the things I'm always intrigued with whenever you're in like really like um, like structured, let's just use the word structured environments where people are really rigid. They only they don't value a lot of things. So when you're in school, right, like the teachers don't value those skill sets that you have that are a little outside of the box. So to your point, like they also can't develop it. And I've had the pleasure of kind of being in both of these worlds. And being able to see it both uh, firsthand, I'll, I'll give you one example. There was an, a corporate event maybe back in 2014. And, you know, I do music. I've, you know, I've been writing raps and things since I was a young kid. And I've done Christian rap for quite a while. I haven't in the last couple of years, but historically, that's what I've done. That's where a lot of people know me from. And it was funny. They wanted me to do like this song for one of our events, like just take it and make it about the product that we sell or whatever. And I did it and I performed it in front of a few hundred people at this event. And like people were blown away. It was like they were looking at me like I wasn't me. And what was interesting to me was, is like, I'm like, I've actually been this person the whole time. Right. Like, so it's like, it, it's just interesting when people can limit you. So I love the fact that you, you, you know how to color outside the lines. And I think we all need to be aware of that. There's definitely some value in structure. And some of us need that more than others. Right. And I'm definitely blessed um, to work where I work. But it is like very interesting going between the two worlds um, and, and seeing what people value as a skill set and, you know, and what people don't. Um, before I get you out of here, Wes, um, I do want to I, I want to hear a little bit about um, the Kingdom Business Summit and as, as well as the podcast. Can you just, um, you know, for everyone listening, all of Wes's information will be in the description of the show, um, you know, so YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things, all of the links to uh, the podcast and the books and, and the websites will be there. But Wes, can you just talk a, a little bit about what to, uh, you know, expect? You have the summit coming up March 9th through 11th in uh, Brisbane, I believe. And, um, you know, what can people expect? I also know there's a virtual option as well. So I don't want people to think just because it's on Australia, they can't um, join in. Yeah, we'd love to have people from all over the world and we, and we will. Um, let me just go back a little bit, though, right? I was um, I was saved three weeks, and then I was – so I had been to church three times, and I was sat in my backyard reading my Bible, and I said out loud to the Lord, I said, I've spotted the racket, you know, racket meaning like the the routine, the the, the yeah. bad bits, you know. I was like – I said, and, I, and this was a heartfelt, you know, yell out to the Lord in my backyard. I said, I've spotted the racket. I said, these people sitting in the same seat, singing the same songs, they know when to stand up. They know when to sit down. They know when to clap. They know when the coffee's coming. And I said to the Lord out loud, if that's all you've got for me, you won't keep me. Wow. I said, what the world has to offer is better than going to church and repeating that same thing every Sunday. I said, I need to know. I need to know how is this world better because of my redeemed life. Right. And I wasn't prepared to stop until the Lord showed me what it was. And through a period of just a few weeks, he showed me that I would start a training academy for Christian entrepreneurs, 
which made me delightfully happy because I quite like conference world and I love personal development and I love business, right? So, and I just love God. I was a new relationship. And so I was like, this is amazing, but it also scared me. Like I need to go work out who God is before I ever open my mouth about him, right? So right, right. I just slipped that in my back pocket, studied hard. And then, um, and then in 2012, you know, that's eight years later, in 2012, all my businesses were going incredibly well, but I was miserable. Um, I, I, I didn't, I had no passion for what I was doing. I was not focused. And, um, and I thought, you know what, I'm a businessman. I know how to fix this. I'm just going to double my prices and that's going to get me inspired again. So I went to all my clients, doubled my prices. They all said, no worries. So now I'm getting paid twice as much and I'm immediately feeling twice as unfulfilled as I was before. And I said, okay, this is, this is a bizarre thing. Like you've got my attention, Lord, what's going on. And then, uh, we have intercessors on staff to help us with the direction of the company. And so between what I was feeling and these prophetic words that were coming in, it was time to start the thing that I told you about when you first came to Christ. And so, you know, um, in 2012, we, I just said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll run the first kingdom business summit. And, um, you know, th these are intentionally loss making activities because I want to pay the price. Um, and so, you know, I put on the first one and I called 28 people and I said, be in this room for these two days and I'm going to train you. Um, and then we bring a team of prophetic people at the end to do prophetic ministry. And, and I find that business and prophetic together are really powerful. And then so we ran those two days. I funded it all. It was a very inexpensive event in the scheme of things. Um, and then I went back to people and said, what was, you know, give me your feedback on the two days. And they're like, best two days ever. So, so that was 28 people in 2012. And then I was like, okay, I'll, I'm just going to keep doing this. This is this felt like it had grace on it. So the next year was 98 people. The next year was 196. The next year was like to 450. Then we went to 990. Then we went to two and a half thousand, and so forth. Wow. Right? Um, and and each and all the way along there, just as a side note and to brag on God, the the, the cost to run these becomes incredibly expensive. Incredibly, expensive. I could imagine. You know, like little little rooms might cost a thousand bucks a day to hire, but the minute you go to a slightly bigger room, it's ten grand. That's no AV, ten grand. Like you know, the marketing of it. Now we've got speakers that we fly all over the world, prophetic right. teams going the country. Like it's it's a big deal, right? Every single year that the expenses go up, the Lord has prospered our business so that we can afford to fund it. Now, okay. just a side note: if it was all about cars and houses and watches, I wouldn't have the money to do the assignment, right? So I'd be an ineffective believer in that place. So fast forward to today, you know, like we, um, you know, we, we run these events and we bring in great people. And the whole purpose is to get people to learn practically how do you scale up your business and how do you deepen your walk with the Lord? That's it. Um, and because when you put those two together, you become a weapon. And so they're like two and a half days. We have a beautiful formal dinner. We'll have magicians and blah, blah, blah. We'll do a fun bit. But then there's like a real serious bit. We're here to do business. Um, and then we finish where we basically, I just stop talking and then we bring a prophetic team in. And even for the people online, we have a prophetic team that don't know anybody apart from a name. And they'll just be like, right, what the Lord's saying to you is this. And then um, it, it, it's incredibly powerful. So so that's that. The, the podcast has had a few different iterations over the time. But the okay. Kingdom Business Podcast, I, I don't know where we're at. We're like 30, 30 episodes in or something. And um you know, that's one a week, but there's 470 videos in the YouTube channel from the stuff over the time. Um, and really, that's just there. There's no ask. There's no sell. There's no funnel. It's literally just content out there all the time to get people to catch something, you know. And 
uh, and I engage with everybody in the comments because that's where I get the feedback loop. And, you know, I don't measure I don't measure any of this. We don't have a conversion rate metric. We're not at the summit trying to sign so many people up to things. We literally are just there to serve people and see them win. And the Lord actually ends up prospering us, you know, time and time again. And so, listen, I just want to be a resource to people as much as I possibly can. You know, I've done 14,000 business coaching sessions since I started my business in 2007. There's enough in there to learn how to help people win. Wow. And so just put that stuff out and, and see what we can do to help people. I love that, Wes. Um, man, you said so many great things today that I definitely appreciate. I want to get you out of here with one question. I try to get people out on time, Wes. I'm very respectful, uh, respectful of uh, the fact that I that business people come on here. I know that our schedules are crazy, and you're in another country, and I think it's early morning, so I definitely want to uh, be respectful of that. But before, before we let you go, um, simple question. Who or what inspires you? And it can't be God. We, we know that God inspires you. So I don't want that answer. But who or what inspires you um, to keep going on, on this journey? There's a few different answers, right? I think my kids, I've got three daughters, you know, they're weapons for the kingdom that, you know, they, they're going to be mighty women for God. And, and they need an example. You know, they're going to watch a lot of social media and social media is going to get them to second guess themselves. They need a real life example that they can follow of somebody who has allegiance to the Lord and, and goes about primarily advancing God's kingdom as much as he can. They need that example. And and, and my wife, their mom, she's into she's very political. So she's running campaigns and helping, you know, people stand up for what they believe in. And so so really one one of the things that makes me keep going is I want them to see what this um, what allegiance to the Lord looks like on a daily basis. Right. So I don't know that they inspire me, but I one of the reasons to keep going is I want them to see an example of what it looks like to fight for the kingdom. Um, I, I'm not like I'm inspired by other people further along on the journey for little bits of their life. You know, I'm inspired by some people who have, you know, they've got incredible health um, and they've managed to juggle a busy schedule and do that. I'm inspired by people who have you know, had busy schedules and raised great kids because I think that's vital. Uh, you know, I'm inspired by people who have built great wealth for the kingdom and things like that. I think the thing that inspires me the most, though, is the clients that I get to bring through. So, you know, we'll have somebody that might walk with us for a year or two or five, six, eight, and just to see them not really know how to grow a business and then see their walk with the Lord deepen and their real reliance and that allegiance and then their business flourish and then their funding projects and funding that, that, that will never get old. You know, that'll never get old because that's the assignment that the Lord has for me, but also it is advancing the kingdom on earth. And, and, you know, as an act of spiritual warfare, I think it's incredibly inspiring to see that, you know, that redemptive nature of God play out for business people. Wes, this has been amazing. Um, I appreciate you so much for taking time to come on, inspire guys, people, and share your story and inspire us. I definitely found myself um, several times in your story. And don't take it for granted. I will be supporting all of the work that you're doing from afar because I think you are a necessary uh, person in the kingdom of God. Um, and it feels great to know that, hey, I know at least one person. I've met one person that's over in Australia doing the work of the Lord. And I will definitely continue to check out your content and show love. And 
thank you so much uh, for your time and have a great, I got to say, have a great morning for you. Um, I hope you have a, a prosperous day. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Wes Hone. And um, yeah, I think uh, it has been uh, a pleasure, you know, having him on today's show. And um, I took a lot of things. Y'all know what it is. I'm going I'm to take a sip of my my uh, my drink here. And then we're going to um, close the show out with a couple of few thoughts. A couple of few. You know what? I can talk, people. We're going to close the show out with a few thoughts. Y'all see what it is. Inspire guys, people, baby. Um, All right. So let, let's talk, man. Um, Look, first of all, like I just can't grateful for the individuals who come on this show um, and, you know, spend time uh, talking to us and sharing their story. Cause it's a blessing for me. I always tell people like selfishly, uh, I'm getting so much out of these interviews that I've been doing the past few years. You know, Wes is necessary, I say for a few reasons. I am completely inspired uh, by business people who have success, but they're grounded. And I believe in asking yourself, who do I want to become? That's what I ask myself often. Like, yo, who do you want to become? And then when I close my eyes and I picture who I want to become, then I believe in putting all my effort and energy into becoming that. Seeing people like Wes, it inspires me because it lets me know that it's possible. There's always levels to business and success. And, you know, he said that he is inspired by people who are further than him, as am I. He's definitely further than me. Um, I've checked out all his content and looked at his conference, like he said, I mean. 2,500 people coming to your conference every year. That is a blessing. Like in person, that's pretty dope. And having online. So, man, we got to be praying for people across the world. Part of the purpose of this podcast is to be able to highlight other Christian entrepreneurs and encourage and inspire each other. And the fact that we ain't the only ones. Inspire Guys People is not the only, you know, um, Christian podcast in the world, um, balancing faith and business. Um, there are, you know, so many others, um, like the guests that we've had on here recently. So I advise you, like, you know, check these guests out, go into the link of the description and make sure you're clicking their content because all of us combined, man, can change the world. None of us could do it alone because we're just human in and of ourselves. But the Bible says iron sharpens iron. So I want to appreciate, you know, individuals like Wes Home, um, a kingdom business entrepreneur, from Australia. Thank you, man. My first Australian interview. Hopefully it won't be my last. And um, look, guys, people, it has been a good time kicking it with y'all. But uh, I got to go. I got stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't just talk to y'all all day. Anyway, look, man, um, if you are listening to this show, wherever you're listening to it at, check us out on YouTube at Inspire Guys People. Please do subscribe if you enjoy this content. Like it and share it. You got to tell somebody to tell somebody. Tell somebody else Stop saying what you gonna do Till you do what you say When you opened that Bible You knew what you read You felt it deep in your soul The promise did not expire Be inspired I can see beyond the tears you cry And the pain you feel I saw every hill you had to climb Just to make it here When you say you ain't afraid to die 